From the KVSC studio at St. Cloud State University, this is Minnovation, a higher ed podcast for innovators and educators. I'm Sarah Clark, Director of Online and Distance Learning at St. Cloud State University, and I'm here with my co-host Chris Stanley, who is the Director of Educational Technology Innovations at St. Cloud State. Welcome to Minnovation. I'm Sarah Clark, Director of Online and Distance Learning at St. Cloud State University, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Stanley, who is the Director of Educational Technology Innovations at St. Cloud State University, and this is our first episode. It is pretty exciting. It is very exciting. We have spent a lot of time talking about this and planning this and engaging other collaborators and partners, and today's the day. It's our very first episode. It is, and I'm super excited to highlight... You know, not just our guest today, but there's so much good work happening at the university and to have this opportunity and this platform to get that word out so people can celebrate this and we can learn from each other and what's happening in this university. It's just super exciting. So with that, I would like to introduce our very first guest. You bet. So our very first guest is Dr. Michael Dando, assistant professor in the English department at St. Cloud State University. Dr. Dando is a 2020 Miller Scholar Grant recipient for his work on Afrofuturistic design and literacy. If you ask students, they'll say they know Dr. Dando as the professor of their hip-hop cultural studies course. That's a course that's received a lot of positive feedback from students who had the opportunity to create their own hip-hop artifacts, like virtual exhibits, books of artwork, and vinyl records. When he's not on campus teaching, you can find Dr. Dando in his basement home recording studio producing his very own podcast, Comics School. Welcome, Dr. Dando. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. This is awesome. You are our inaugural guest, so we're really excited to talk more with you um, about what led you to transform your basement into a fully functioning (laughs) podcast recording studio. Uh, It was a, a thing that I had to do because of what happened to everyone and everything and everywhere. So it was, um, they say necessity is the the parent of invention, right? So we were online, we were all learning this new technology. And I thought if I'm going to be virtual, um, I'm going to make it sound good and look good as, as good as I can from my, uh, from my home office. And in my classes, I do, I, I bring in a lot of guest lecturing, um, I, I like for students to hear from professionals and um, other perspectives and points of view, so on and so forth. Um, and it just struck me that I was doing this on Zoom and I was going to be bringing them into um, my Rhetorics of Popular Culture course, um, bringing in um, comics creators and comics writers and, and so forth. And it just struck me that I should hit, I should just hit the record button. And it sort of grew out of recording my lectures, guest lectures, um, and making them available for students. And then I was, it's, you know, it's been really, the, the podcast has been, uh, well-received comics school. And, um, we've been able to interview Eisner award winners and which is like the Oscars of comics production. Um, we've been able to interview you know, a number of award-winning scholars and journalists and, and creators and makers, and, and that has been really, really cool. But what led me to it was I kind of had to. So I guess that's the short answer is I kind of had to. So did you have any previous experience doing anything related? Like what brought you to podcasting specifically? I love being in this studio right now because I had 
three three different radio shows in undergrad. I had a late night show, an early morning show, and then um, a a weekend program. And so I did have a background in um, in recording some of some of the basics. Uh, I, I'm not a professional um, studio recorder um, or producer, um, but I knew how to talk into a microphone, and I knew not to yell. Like I knew how close to be, and and I knew I, I taught journalism for a while uh, before I came to the university and I taught high school journalism. And so um, I knew how to ask questions and I knew how to, f- how far away to stay from the mic. Um, and uh, it just kind of all evolves out of, out of that. So you said your goal of the podcast at the time was kind of, you know, we're, we're all at home, we're on zoom. We might as well be recording. Um, right. You bring in guest lectures. So it was just a really natural transition to go into that space. How did your goal of the podcast changed? Like, or did it change? Um, I think the point of learning, a point of knowledge, and, and I'm in this uh, Department of Education, um, but I work with the Communication Arts and Literature Program, which is the secondary English education program here on campus. So I work with middle and high school teachers to be, so in training. Um, and so I think a lot about, or I try to think a lot about the nature and purpose of knowledge, like what is it and what is it for? And I think the purpose of knowledge is to be shared. And so I love the idea that we live in an era and an age when we can freely make and create and produce and share knowledge. And I thought the reason I wanted to put a podcast out was, well, there are my students who have signed up for this course, but these are interesting lectures. These are interesting conversations. At least I think so. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm biased, obviously. (laughs) Um, But this is for everybody. Knowledge is for everybody. That's kind of this democratization of, of knowledge and of, you know, we're all in the same boat. Literally we're all, in our basements, our online learning um, is was a thing. So the goal of the podcast didn't necessarily change. I think it got a little bit better, or I hope I, hope I got a little bit better as I got more practice, but that's just how learning works. <laughs> so it's, podcasting is kind of like a one-way medium from a student engagement perspective. How, mm-hmm. how did you build assessment and engagement around the content mm-hmm. within your class? I guess I, I know this is the first this is the first podcast, but I don't know I I don't know if podcasting is a one way is a one way medium because of how you can <laughs> leave us a review. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, <laughs> right? Like yeah. um, at least Apple or your favorite local provider. <laughs> um, always ask me like, do you want to leave a review? Like that's feedback. Like you get feedback. But what we did is I I tied it into listen to it and then you know, form a response. And then I used our, um, our software that we have here on campus, um, called D2L and, um, just had little, uh, we, I just asked them to reflect on what they'd heard, what jumped out to them. What was, how did this particular time spent with, you know, listening to and thinking about these things, how do they think about things differently? How did, um, their thoughts change, if at all. How how have they grown now that they've invested this hour? What's their their ROI, right? What's their return on investment, as it were? Um, and so, the other thing that we did is after we had done a few of these, and I think I think in this semester we did, I did seven or eight. I don't remember exactly. I gave them the option of recording their own, and um, I had multiple students take take me up on that opportunity. Um, they were in their basements. I was in my basement, um, <laughs> or they were, you know, they were where they wherever they were. 
but they had access to microphones and Zoom um, microphones and uh, QuickTime or, or, or whatever. And we talked about a different um, different ways to go about doing that. Uh, very diff- you know, turnkey plug and play options. And um, they had. I'm, I'm a big uh, I'm a big believer in the highest form of knowing is is doing. Mm-hmm. So they were able to have those conversations. They were able to um, engage in the the discourses that you would take up in a in a class like like this is a rhetoric of uh, popular culture class and they were able to take up the the syntax the discourse of these modes of production um and it involved writing i don't i won't pull, pull back the curtain too much but i i always write the i always write an introduction and i it's a composition right there's a beginning there's a middle and an end it all has to make sense it all has to be coherent so we think about literacies in a, in a little bit of a different way um a lot of times I think people conflate, um, especially college, especially um, with, you know, you're going to write a paper and that's one way of doing, it's one way of doing things. Um, you can write a script and then that script then can take on a different, um, a different life, you know, a life of its, uh, not of its own, but a different mo- uh, mode of existence. So, um, and then we, and then we listen to it and then, <laughs> or or engage with it. Uh, they some made art, some made some wrote papers, so some wrote the academic papers. But um, it all turned out really, really well. I like the piece of an action based assessment there, right? I'm a huge proponent of action based assessments. I don't think students learn anything by taking a multiple choice exam. So I love that you provided them the opportunity to create their own podcast episodes. And did they get peer feedback? And what was that? Yeah. What was that opportunity like for them to receive feedback from their peers? Yeah, it. Um, <laughs> which can be scary in this well, world of yeah, comments, but right? it can also be. It can also. That's such a good point. But it can also be very honest. Um, and uh, put it put it this way: is, um, you know, we were we were thinking about um, we were thinking about making that podcast, um, and then we listened to it together. And then we had student. We had like a question and answer. We had a feed, uh, a talk back, right? So it's like, hey, how did you come up with these questions? How did you, you know, what was that like? What was so? It was a, it was a, it was a summative assessment, as we call it in the, in ed research. Um, um, but it also had real time feedback. Um, students, um, when we we're listening, if they they laughed, that's feedback. If they clapped, that's feedback, right? Um, instead of writing. Good. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Good on a paper. Like, oh, well, neat. Thanks for the help. Um, and, and they were able to uh, have a sense of pride in that, too. Um, so we were able to, as I said, you know, I, I think knowledge needs to be shared. So um, they would, you know, they would share um, folks who wrote a paper, shared the abstract of the paper and just sort of the outline. Folks who made a piece of art um, were able to share it digitally, were able to get that real time feedback, almost like a crit in, a, in like an arc. Uh, an art or an architecture class. Um, so it worked out really, really well. And that was a valuable skill to develop on, I think, everybody's, on everybody's end. So tell, me, tell us more about how the students responded. What, what was the feedback you got? What did they say? Oh, um, there were a number, of, a number of responses. They were less guarded. And, and by that, I mean, uh, you tend to... Um, try and be overly tactful you know i like the way that you did this uh right, right. you know good what what a wonderful transition <laughs> you know or, or what or what have you your conclusion was really compelling like it's just like the most like not, not disingenuous but because as you said it's a scary thing is because it's so vulnerable you like someone's like shared their beating heart with you <laughs> and then <laughs> people have a um a response to that right so it was 
um, hey, thank you for thank you for that. Oh, that was really cool. Um, but that was really cool versus that was really cool. Like that's all mm-hmm. in subtext, which I think is is part of the the meaning in, in interpersonal communication. Here is that's a you know it's a form of communication, but you can we talk about subtext a lot and you say the same thing, but different different emphasis gives gives it a different meaning. And and so they were able to uh, communicate on their own terms, give feedback on their own terms, in their own ways. It was organic. It was um, hopefully um, useful. A a, a lot of students responded positively to it. They say, you know, this is the the first time I've, one of the first times I've been able to really be as creative as I wanted to be. And Mm -hmm. and that's not, you know, that that's, that's completely on them. They took the the ball and and kind of ran with it. So I was really, really, I was inspired by, by so much of what they did. Um, And I was able to give them feedback because you can't, (laughs) you can't really fake it in some of these spaces, in some of these spaces, right? Like you can um, fill up a paper. (laughs) You can. (laughs) Plagiarism is less than a mystery, right? But but you can, you can, I've, trust me, I've read plenty of academic papers that have, uh, that were sound and fury signifying nothing, right? Like they were, <laughs> they were 45, 45 pages and I was like, I'm not, and I'm not sure you said what you think you said, but you did use a lot of words. <laughs> um, so um, we got a lot of good, honest feedback, um, which, which I think is important when you're thinking about, I think it's because they knew there was going to be an audience beyond just me, beyond just, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the one-on-one, um, so that that dyad, what they did do was fully support each other. So there wasn't just that. Um, I call it the the smattering of applause. The all right, yeah. The like at the act of applauding <laughs> without any of the emotion. <laughs> but there was a um, there was there was an outpouring, which was really 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 significant. I thought that's awesome. Yeah, which is what we all kind of needed during 2020, right? <laughs> so I like that there was that opportunity. It sounds like what you're describing is there was an opportunity for students to connect with each other through podcasting in a way that we weren't connecting from the other side of the Zoom screen. And I imagine you didn't have any students who were like, I wish you would have just lectured to us <laughs> over uh, Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, they got that too. Don't <laughs> don't don't worry, folks who are listening who hope that Mike does his job. Um <laughs> uh we did get lecturing we we did get lecturing in there don't worry um but um i think it wasn't just that it was podcasting i think that it was the fa- i think it was the notion that that what we had was um a multimodal approach to to literacy and knowledge production right so mm-hmm. it was it wasn't the i don't know how to do x y and z so i'm not going to do it or this is this is hard so or or this is uh, new to me or in in some other ways inaccessible they were able to hit the ground running right they were able to call it called zero entry right so they that they just they they just came in at the ground level and then ran with it and so i think that there wasn't a i have to speak in a certain register i have to speak I have to write in a certain way or I have to do a certain thing that is inauthentic to who I am. They could bring their full selves into, um, into concert with what they were trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I, I will say that I had a hundred, I had a hundred percent turn in rate. So to whatever that, to what, to whatever extent that matters, um, everybody turned something in, which, which was fun. 
um, it, because everybody, we, we talked about it a lot being like a potluck, like everybody brings something to the table and you don't want to show up to the That's potluck empty, empty handed. So as I said, don't bring, show up to the potluck and don't bring ice. <laughs> um, <laughs> everything else is, everything else is fair game. So you're a seasoned pro now, but can you reflect a little bit um, on the things that you learned along the way? I don't know that I've ever been called a pro before, and I just I've I want to just I, I just want to sit with that for a second, if we yeah, could, right. and just let me just luxuriate in that for a minute. Um, sorry, say that again because I got caught up. Uh, I've listened to your podcast. I, I think you're a seasoned pro. But okay. can you reflect a little bit on the things that you learned along the way? AKA help, yeah. help Chris and I help right. Chris and I out. Oh, you guys, y'all are doing for the newbies. Y'all are doing great. This is. Um, find a radio station. Um, <laughs> so you're already uh, miles ahead. For those for those of you listening on your radio boxes who've fired up the old Marconi machine, um, we are not in a basement. We are in we are at KVSC Studios, and it is amazing and and wonderful. Um, here's the thing I've learned, and I think this is important: is you have to have you have to have good ingredients to make a good meal. Right. You don't need um, you, you need to know how to play your instrument before you can before you can rock the rock the show, uh, you know. Um, and so, well, I don't have uh, I don't have access to a radio studio. You have a smartphone and voicemail or not the voicemail. Well, maybe you have voicemail, you probably have voicemail, <laughs> but you have the voice messaging thing. Um, that's great. Do that. Um, no one can. Anybody can buy or, or access technology. Um, that, it's been one of the amazing things about living, as I, I often joke, living in the future is um, when I went to college, I couldn't be on the phone and the computer at the same time. And now the phone is the computer, right? So now my phone is mostly my computer. I check my email on my phone. Um, so we have this sort of, as I said, this accessible, this, this uh, more increasingly democratic uh, access but no, nobody, nobody can have the thoughts that you have, though, and that's the thing that that I think is important is to know what you want to know what you want to talk about, but know that you might go someplace else, and that's okay. Um, the best things are unplanned. Um, I think it was Septima Clark said that she loved she loved chaos because that's where all of the learning paraphrasing that's where all the learning happened mm. like the planned stuff is cool and good and necessary but it's that chaos it's the um you know the the things that aren't contrived that are really where some of the magic happens um and so um so yeah that's i mean it's not necessarily advice for anybody it's just what i've you know what i've learned um from a lot of trial and a lot of a lot of trial and a lot of error lean on your friends because <laughs> sure, sure. a lot a lot of that was uh you know it's it's like uh it's if you're trying to you're trying to start something you know you open when you open it you invite your friends in you know this the restaurant has the soft open where it's like we think this is going to work uh, friends come in um and then you're then acquaintances friends of friends and then pretty soon you have people that will that will call you up and um you know we've we've had we have now interviewed people on on our our podcast uh, which is on the Scatterbrain Radio Network. Um, we've interviewed folks in Canada and Colombia and the UK and um, Philadelphia and Los Angeles and Portland, like uh, everywhere. 
Um, and so that's the cool thing. Take advantage of what you take advantage of your situation. Everybody's at home. is like, what are you doing? <laughs> got an hour? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you got an hour? You on Pacific time? Okay, cool. Let's talk. Let's talk about comics and, and, and schools. Okay, cool. Let's do that. I'm not. I'm not going anywhere for a while. What's that? That's an old. Uh, that's an old ad, right? Not going anywhere for a while. Like <laughs> it's like Snickers or something. Um, but yeah, that's that's what we what we are hoping to do. What I always hope to do is, and I, and I think I probably got this from. I, I really got this probably from Lavar Burton. Who, if you're listening, hi Lavar. Um, thank you. But like, learning is awesome. And it can be, it should, it, it's not, it's not like learning is fun. No, learning is, learning is fun. Um, and knowledge making is, is crucial to a thriving democracy and be, the, the ability not only to make stuff, but then to analyze and critique and evaluate and, and, and form a coherent argument. Those are all, those are all skills that, um, you know, that they my students take up in in most of my classes or at least that's the goal that 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 we have in in my in my class like the hip hop studies class that I teach and um various other classes my my um education courses that I teach is um not just to have a good time but to have a good time for <laughs> have a good time for democracy um have a good time for <laughs> all right have a good time for um with what you're doing and understanding why it matters and why it's important. So that's the big, I think that's probably the the big takeaway too, is nobody's making me do really any of this stuff, but I, under, I, I think I have set in my mind why it matters for me and the, the social and cultural and in some ways political importance that knowledge and the curation of knowledge has in a, uh, in a functioning democracy. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. So let's transition a little bit. So you talked sure. about the importance of ingredients or content. So one of the more interesting things, I think, from an ingredients and content perspective is Afrofuturism. Hmm. A super unique, interesting, compelling topic that I right. think you care about, to your point, about knowing why it's important. <laughs> so tell us more about how you introduce that in, the, in your teaching and in your podcast. Um. Well, I guess the the first thing would be to define what Afrofuturism is, and Afrofuturism is—I um, don't want to get too goofy with it. Um, Afrofuturism is a way of thinking about the future, um, but from a particular social, cultural, um, and political perspective, right? So, the question really is not what is the future going to look like. It, the question is what if folks from, and then this is Afrofuturism, hmm. what if folks from the African diaspora had complete autonomy in making the future? What does spaceships look like? What what does technology look like? What does thinking look like? What novels, what, you know, what is the, what does the future look like? So a good example, and I think a lot of people's first example um, was the movie Black Panther. Absolutely. So for instance, so it's, it's not, um, and I, I heard it put really, really well, um, it's not just um, black folks plus spaceships equals Afrofuturism. It's much. It's it's a way of thinking, knowing, and being. Right. It's call it the epistemological, ontological structures that are bound up in what you do. So if you look at if you look at um, Black Panther movie, for example, the spaceships are actually when you when you s- look at them from the top, they're a- actually African tribal masks. Well, that's that's not an accident. That's done obviously right. on purpose, and that holds a specific a specific 
um, importance and significance for people. It doesn't it doesn't look like the Starship Enterprise because it's not it wouldn't look like the Starship Enterprise, right? And that's kind yeah. of um, a really quick crash course in Afro features. And feel free to feel free to reach out if you want a longer, more tortured <laughs> <laughs> definition. But um, so I look at a couple of things with Afrofuturism. Um, I am working with uh, a couple of folks. Um, one is a professor at the University of California, Riverside. His name is John Jennings. And then um, another uh, MFA in Alaska. His name is David Brame. And we are engaged right now in a project that is looking at, um, we're calling it Critical Afrofuturist Design and Literacies. And so what that means is we are working with um, middle and high school students um, to think about what their future is going to be like in 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever you do, don't do the math. Don't subtract 25 <laughs> years from 2022. You're going to be bummed out with the answer if you're, <laughs> if you're me. I did that the other day. I was like, oh, no, that starts – that's 19 – that's in the 90s. <laughs> um, but um, what is their future going to be? How do they think about their own selves in the future? What does that look like? What challenges and what challenges do they do they see, and what um, resources do they bring from their own cultures of origin? Um, and then they create um, an artifact, or they create a piece of um, what we'll, what we've called um, graphic uh, graphic narrative art, right? So creating a comic um, that can be a personal narrative, um, or it can be what we call speculative, which means guessing. Right. But it means, okay, if this if this happens, then I'm guessing this is going to happen. Right. So it's speculative, making a reasonable, educated guess. So if we did this, then this would happen. Right. Um, And it doesn't have to necessarily be dire consequences. Like if we could do this, then this could happen, Um, which is basically like it's why I love sci fi so much. Um, That's why I love hip hop so much. Like, What if we what if we did this? What if we what if we move the record like this? Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> right? And then uh, new possibilities are then opened up. Um, and then students um, and 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 I'll, I'll do a little bit of a more of a plug here. Um, what we did in particular to demonstrate and model this for the students, what John David and I did, um, was we went to the public domain archives, and um, there was a comic character, a comic. Uh, the comic strip um, from 1947 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm also from Pittsburgh, so of course it came from my favorite city. <laughs> um, some say the best city, some being me. Um, but it's <laughs> Pittsburgh, 1947, and um, there was a, um, a a comic book that came out, um, and it was done completely co- top to bottom, written published produced by african-american folks and they put out the comic and uh had a character called lion man in it and lion man um was a uh a character who um has a lot of similarities to black panther actually he is in charge of guarding a mountain of uranium because this is 1947 like what is cool uranium right so it's like um of course, he was by a mountain of uranium, and nothing happened. Um, but but he was in charge, and, and then people were trying to come from out of you know people were trying to come and steal all the uranium, and he was in charge of making sure everybody right. It's, it's very similar to Black Panther. Well, um, 
that was a seven page comic and um, the publishing company, the paper company, the story goes, um, found out that um, this was African-American folks doing this and then wouldn't sell them any more paper. So that was it. That was Lion Man done. Um, and then it, the copyright lapsed into public domain. So John reached out and and said, um, and and checked with you know the family and said, what we want to do is we want to do a full we want to do a full comic. We want to do a Lion Man comic. And this is part of the Miller. This is part of the Miller project. I said we're going to do a we're going to do a Lion Man comic, and we're going to we're going to do issue. We're going to actually do issue one because the first story was um, part of an anthology. It's just one of those little those little stories and a bunch of others and a bunch of others, and so we did the first issue, and that is what the the kids would all read and talk about, right? That would be the text that they um, uh, and John John Jennings did a beautiful job um, with the script, and uh, David Brame did an amazing job with the art, and it's actually um, in the Metropolitan Art Museum of Art right now in their oh. African uh, in their Afrofuturism exhibit awesome. uh, period room. And it'll be there for two years. So if you're ever in New York and you want to see this thing live, um, you can come by the English department, or you can you know, or you go to New York, you go to the Met. I mean, <laughs> there go. there's good things at both. Um, <laughs> um, but the students, you know, they read it, they talked about it, and they did very similar things to what we were talking about previous. Is um, they interacted with each other they made their own they made their own artifacts they gave each other honest feedback they were thinking about like oh this is cool and they were coming up with these amazing ideas and they were engaging a text on their own terms that they could relate to um and 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 that was that was important for us was to to um make sure that there were people and, and communities and cultures reflected that um, aren't often in comics culture. And I just saw a movie called The Eternals, which does a really good job with this too. But um, who gets to be superhero? Who gets who gets to be in the future? Is a question that we that that we ask. Yeah. Um, and so that's yeah, that's that's the project. That's Afro Afrofuturism, and and that's also apparently my ten minute monologue. So <laughs> we'll fix that in we'll, we'll fix that in post. I'm sure. No, it's a super fun topic. I think yeah. super interesting. Uh, for all sorts of folks. That certainly can't be limited to one podcast episode. Yeah, so um, for those of us wanting to learn more about Afrofuturism, where's a good starting place? Um, where's a good starting place? Um, I would start with one of my favorite authors. Her name is Octavia Butler. Um, Octavia Butler uh, is um, considered the, the grand dame of Afrofuturism. Um, she wrote a great book. Um, called Kindred, which was adapted into a graphic novel, also by John Jennings, and um, the Eis- it won the Eisner Award. Oh, there you go. Um, and uh, and Damian Duffy, and they're also working on the um, the Parable of the Sower or the Parable trilogy, um, and that's really really good. I also check out um, Samuel Delaney. Um, another great short story is uh, it's called The Comet by W. E. B. Du Bois, and that one is that one's fantastic. That's actually a very all of this is readily available, but the comment's available online. Um, and also Princess Steel. Um, he also uh, wrote that. Um, and W, that, yes, that W.B.E.B. Du Bois. So you're like, oh, you mean, the, yeah, the, oh, the yeah. noted African-American sociologist, professor, hmm. genius, um, superstar. Um, his science fiction stories are great. Um, and so that's a good place to, that's a good place to get started. Um, I could go, that, I could 
fill up another hour with you just asked an English you asked an English professor <laughs> are there good books right. and that was I'm not going to tell you how to do your job that's a great question <laughs> <laughs> what other projects or ideas are you working on or exploring in the future I've got this great chili recipe um, <laughs> um, I'm doing I'm doing a lot um, we have more um, we're we're going to be working with local organizations here soon, doing um, more with um, with comics and Afrofuturism and literacy. Um, I'm also working on some hip hop and um, education uh, collaborations um, in the near future. Hopefully, we'll be able to um, grow this uh, this hip hop studies class. So there's a lot of things in the in the works that I can only kind of say some things about, but uh, stay tuned. That's what I'll say. Sounds good. Awesome. All right. Well, where can folks um, listen to your podcast? You can um, get the podcast any place you get podcasts. Um, it's on, we're on iHeartRadio. We're on, on Audible. Uh, of course, uh, we're on anywhere you get yours, anywhere you get your, your podcast. All you have to do is type comics, like plural of comics, and then school. Um, and it's a, you'll know cause it's black and yellow because I'm from Pittsburgh and oh. it's also my podcast. So I get to do what I want. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, you'll, you'll be right there and it says my name right at the top. Um, and you can, um, follow me if you, if you want on, on the, uh, on the tweeters at, at MB Dando, you can certainly do that. And, um, on Instagram at the Dando Lorian, um, you can feel free, feel free to follow me there and yeah, I'll be at um, I'll be at uh, South by Southwest Music Festival in March. I'll be at uh, the National Council of Teachers of English, um, and I will also be at uh, the American Educational Research Association. So if you're going to any of those, um, feel free to um, come hang out. Well, thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Dr. Michael Dando. Yeah, what an outstanding first guest, huh? <laughs> oh, that's for you. You're very kind. Thanks for having me, everybody. Support for this podcast comes from KBSC Studio at St. Cloud State University, SCSU Educational Technology Innovations, SCSU Online and Distance Learning, and of course from our listeners. Know someone we should know about? Fill out the guest nomination form found on the Midnovation Podcast webpage located on the SCSU Online and Distance Learning website. <laughs>